0: nama so ratana We're back again for our weekly Saturday night talk. And tonight I'd like to talk about goodness. This is what my talk is going to be about tonight. Because really our meditation practice is all about Bringing goodness into our hearts Bringing goodness into our lives Bringing goodness into who we are Making goodness a part of who we are Goodness I think is something everyone wants We understand it differently But we all want goodness Sometimes all we can understand is we want Good things to come to us But I think there are a lot of people out there who want goodness to be a part of who they are, as far as want to be good people, wanting to be uh, on the right track. So the Lord Buddha taught very specifically about goodness. This is a very important part of the Lord Buddha's teaching. Because we recognize when we make our mind pure, this is bringing about goodness in our our lives, in our hearts. It's taking out all of the badness, all of the bad, unwholesome things that we carry around with us, that we don't want. Nobody wants badness, nobody wants bad things. We all want goodness, we all want good things. The Lord Buddha specifically he taught that uh, there are many many things, uh, a great number of things which which lead to goodness, and he gave a list of things that he called the punya kiriya watu. Watu means the thing. Kiriya is uh, um, doing, and punya means goodness, or merit, or it's translated in many, many ways. It really means to make make your, uh, to clean up your act or to purify oneself, to make yourself a better person, to develop oneself. So, the, But we translate it as goodness here. So it means these are things that are ways of doing good, ways of bringing about goodness. So you see, in Buddhism, it's all about what you do. You can't just sit around and wait for good things to come. This isn't the way we look at the world. In fact, when good things come to us, we tend to... uh, uh, in, in, In the Buddhist tradition, we tend to play down the importance of good things when they come to us, when we get good things. Why? Because we understand that when we do good things, more good is going to come to us. So we put more, much more emphasis, emphasis on doing good than on getting good. And you, you, you see that how this works. If you put emphasis on getting good, you end up getting less and less good as time goes by. Because you're not doing anything to deserve the good. But When you put emphasis on, doi- on doing good, on creating good, bringing about goodness into your life, then good things come by themselves. You get more and more goodness, even though you're not focusing on the good things. So what are these good things that we're talking about? There's lots of them. The basics are uh, generosity or charity, (coughs) and morality, and meditation, mental development. These three are the basics of, of goodness. They're really the basic, the core of the Buddha's teaching, or what's one way of looking at what is the core of the Buddha's teaching. These are things which are goodness. They bring about goodness into one's life. Charity is something that brings about goodness into one's life when we're generous. Charity is something that is very important, very important in many religious traditions. Of course, you often see it being abused by religious people. This is true. Often you see people promoting charity just because they want things. You know? and promoting Religious people promoting you to give them all your money and so on. But charity, <coughs> in, the, in the right sense of the word, it means uh, being generous in all ways. When you eat, don't eat alone. Think of who you can share your food with. When you have whatever, whatever possessions or belongings you have, you think of the people in need and you, you give to them. Give something to, and you give to uh, institutions. Give to schools, give to school children, give to charities. There are many charities out there that do good things for the world. But just being a generous person, this is something which brings goodness into our life. It makes people remember us. I think we can all think of someone who was very generous with us or with all the people around them. And when we think of that person, we think, think of that person with great happiness and great love and great respect, even admiration for that person, how open-hearted and, and generous they were or are. And this is what happens when we are generous. People think of us in this way. It's the opposite of when we're stingy. know, we think being stingy, we, we don't we don't lose things. You know, we, we we get to keep the things we have. We wonder what's so good about giving. You, you you end up losing everything, and it's it's of course not true. As you give and give, you, you everyone thinks well of you. When you need something, it's always there for you. You find you're richer than you, far richer than you were when you had all of the things to yourself. Morality is is equally as important, but for a, a, a different reason. Morality is something much more personal. Morality is something which uh, keeps our mind. Uh, stable. It keeps our mind from uh, getting caught up in uh, fear and worry and guilt and all the things associated with doing, doing evil deeds. It's something which stabilizes and calms the mind and leads to, cons- to focus and concentration. <coughs> it's funny how we don't realize this, we wonder why we're so stressed and so on. We can often point to our lack of morality a lack of uh, a lack of of goodness in terms of giving up bad things not killing, not stealing not cheating or lying, not taking drugs or alcohol just these basic things I think most of us here are pretty good at this, this isn't this isn't one that generally has a lot of problem. We have a lot of problem with, but a lot of a lot of people in this world do have a problem with morality, and they don't realize the effect that it has on their lives. It's amazing how we don't understand uh, the negative effect and the, the the debilitating effect this has on our spirituality and all of these things. How it uh, it disturbs the mind takes away this state of uh, sobriety you could say which is so necessary for creating a clear understanding of the world around us and mm-hmm. the third one meditation or mental development this is of course the most important mm. mental development <coughs> is what we always emphasize because you can do all sorts of good deeds You can be very generous and, and kind And you can give up all sorts of bad deeds And be very moral And virtuous But if it doesn't come from the heart It really in the end it, It's It's fairly useless In the end it's something you just have to Perpetually develop You know some people give And they they think they think they're giving because of this or because of that and it doesn't just come from a heart that is generous a heart that uh, that gives sometimes we give and we want everyone to see that we give and when people praise us because we give we we feel so happy because everyone's praising us and when when nobody knows that we're giving we're not really happy about our giving Generosity. or generosity. Moral because people tell us we're going to go to hell if we don't. or Moral because of this, because of that. Not because we really want to. Not because we really understand the problems. Not because we really feel for the mosquitoes or the ants or the insects. We're just afraid. We're afraid because it's wrong. People tell us it's wrong. We don't really see how wrong it is. To kill or to steal, or to cheat or to lie, to take drugs or alcohol. <coughs> mm. But there's lots of more ways you can do good, and this is sort of I'm going to extend this talk. Uh, uh, extend this topic. Normally we talk about three things, but there's actually in total there's 10 different ways of doing goodness. I'm going to go on, and this is going to form the rest of my talk. The fourth way we can develop goodness is uh, through helping other people do good deeds. Helping other people come to practice, or helping other people who are meditating, Helping other people, give gifts, or so on. Helping other people become mm. virtuous. Helping other people do goodness. This is an extra way of of, of doing good, is to help others. <coughs> it's one thing for us to uh, for us to develop ourselves, but it goes hand in hand with helping other people. If we just Try to develop ourselves, help ourselves, but we don't bring it into the lives of other people. We find it's really, well, it's really an impossible thing to do. It, it, it doesn't work that you just help yourself and nobody else benefits. In the end, it infects the people around you and you find that this is a part of what it m- means to be good. Part of what is the meaning of goodness is helping other people. In fact, I think it comes very naturally. I don't think there's any, uh, any special work that needs to be done here. In fact, I think there's often too much work that goes on in terms of pulling other people in. I've had many people, and it's, it's quite, quite humorous, uh, people bringing their husbands, bringing their children, bringing their parents, bringing this person, that person to come and practice with me. And you look at the person who's, who's dragging other people in, and they themselves are, are, are stressed and uh, unmindful. They themselves are the ones that need the help. And it's always this way, because once you practice yourself, if you've really gained benefits in the practice, you never pull other people in at all. You find they just follow you. You talk to them naturally, and not pulling them in. You try to give them whatever you can. Help them to understand things. Help them to be better. But it just comes from the heart. It comes from your own experience. It doesn't come because you you need... See, this is a difference between faith and knowledge. That you can you can sort of notice when people just have faith, it's often very important for them to pull everybody else in. Because it's, it's hard to keep that faith. <coughs> you have to constantly work at it when you don't have any proof. The mind is constantly being invaded by doubts. But when other people are there affirming, reaffirming your faith, then it's a lot easier. So it's important to have this group. Uh, But in knowledge, it's not so important. You don't need other people to affirm. So you're not pulling people in, they're just coming by themselves. As you develop yourself, other people start to come by themselves. Maybe not so many, maybe there's just a few people around, but you find your friends and the people around you are are people interested in, in meditation, interested in good things, just by their nature. But it's important that we understand this. This is a very big part of of our goodness. We should never neglect this. And when the chance comes, when there's people interested in meditation or so on, we just uh, invite them. Hey, you want to come, or we tell them, or we give them a video on how to meditate or so on. And we tend to be able to see which people would be uh, able to benefit from this. And when people come to us with problems, we we help them also of course the, the meaning of this one the real important meaning is the, the people who make this course possible this is another aspect of it is that meditation isn't our meditation course here is not just me and my students there's a lot of people behind this people from the people in the monastery to our group of people who have put so many hours into making the past month possible and they're going to be very hard work in, in a couple of weeks when we start up again. So this is a very important thing, something we, sh- we shouldn't overlook, and it's something that we should all take to heart and, and uh, try our best to, to help out and to do whatever we can to make the meditation course a success. This is number four. Number five is respect. Being respectful, being humble. Humility is a goodness, is a type of goodness. It's important it's important in all of our all of the good things we do that we're humble. No? We don't put ourselves above other people. No, we don't say uh, I'm Buddhist or I'm a Buddhist meditator and so on. You know, I mean, this, is, this, of course, doesn't happen. As you meditate, you become very humble. <laughs> it's humiliating, actually. You, you realize what a, what a terrible person you are in many ways. You know, oh, you're dragging yourself through the mud, really. Seeing all the bad things you've done. I mean, for those of us who've done bad things, I imagine there are people out there who are very happy meditating because they've never done all the terrible things the rest of us have done. But... In general, meditation doesn 't make you more proud uh, not not our type of meditation I, not that i 've seen anyway i don 't see too many of my of my students becoming proud, but it can happen, especially when you know we we organize uh, courses, sometimes people are given positions of authority, you have to be careful uh, sometimes when i it happens the worst thing is when I uh, teach someone how to uh, a little bit about how to teach. And I explain to them how to, how to guide people through the practice and so on. And then they immediately start to wonder when they're going to be a teacher, and they start to get these big ideas in their head about how they're going to be a teacher and how they are a teacher. And that's when you really have trouble because this is luck. This is where the humility goes out the window. But it comes back as soon as you start teaching, believe me, it comes back because there's nothing that, hum- that humbles you more than having students. Your students are the first, one to, first ones to pick out your, your, your uh, shortcomings very quickly. They even pick out some shortcomings you didn't think you had, or you, you may not think you have, or maybe you don't even have. They're very good at picking, picking out shortcomings. It's very very humbling to have students. And then you start to realize what a mistake you made. <laughs> you know, all of this wanting to be a teacher stuff. It's as I said, we don't, we, don't teach, um, we don't teach good things because we want to. And we teach because people come, come to learn from us. If you're teaching because you want to, then it's, it's a sign that you don't really have a lot to teach. You've just got all this wanting left over. And in Buddhism, of course, we, we learn to give up our wants and our needs. When you need students or you want to be this big teacher, this is a big problem. And you realize that pretty quickly. I think This is important I think this is important as we as we develop and as we um, this is going to be an important thing to remind students as they begin to learn how to teach as they go off to show other people in general it's a very important we should always be looking at ourselves to see whether we still have arrogance uh, whether we have have cultivated this genuine humility whether we can really see our, our 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 uh the fake side of who we are this this show that we put on because it's this one that people are going to look at they're going to say oh you've come to practice meditation and then they're going to look at you and they're going to they're going to look very closely this is this is this is the thing we we meet with when we go out in the world and once they hear you finished the meditation course or you're a meditator Right away they look at you different and they're going to start watching you. Watching everything you do. And they're going to pick it out when they see you're arrogant or you're, you're you know, full of yourself and you, you think you're the greatest. They're going to they're gonna hit you. Hit you with it. They're going to tell you. They're going to let you know. And you're going if, to, if you aren't able to see what you're doing, you're going to, you of course, give meditation a bad name. And they think, oh, look at these meditators, it's all fake. They're just, they're still so full of themselves, they haven't let go of anything. And so on. Humility is a very important uh, part of being good, part of goodness. Part of what it means, uh, part of the meaning of the word goodness is humility. Number five. (coughs) Mm. So just being humble, being respectful. This is very important. Being respectful with each other doesn't mean respectful just to people who are higher than you. It means respect for fellow meditators, respect for fellow people, respect for, uh, f- for the people around you. But it also means respect for your teachers, respect for, um, respect for the people running the course, respect for superiors and so on. It's something that makes the world go smooth. And it makes, makes things run, well, run easily when we don't have let our egos... You can see how problems arise. They always arise because of egos in families, in work, in school, in, in all situations. It's our egos that get in the way. The, this is what it's meaning here. So humility is, is is a very important type of goodness. Number five. Number six... Number six is uh, sharing the merit of, of sharing goodness. When you share goodness, now this is a, I think, a, uh, a little bit difficult to understand. But giving giving out goodness to other people, wishing for other people to benefit from your goodness. And uh, the traditional way this is explained is if your relatives have been born as ghosts. If someone in your family died and they happened to be born as a ghost. So we call it being born as a ghost. We consider it that they're born already. In in, in the West we'd say they became a ghost, right? It means the same thing. We just say they're born again and their birth, rebirth was taken in the ghost realm. So they're a ghost. <coughs> And when this happens, it's because they haven't done anything good in their, in their past lives. So they were born as a... As a um, they haven't done anything bad, so they, their mind didn't, didn't fall away from the world, didn't go to a lower realm. But they didn't do anything good, so they're, they're just sort of kind of like in limbo. They're still attached. No? They still don't have anything. They're wailing and unhappy all the time. They don't have anything. They often don't have sufficient clothing, so they're cold all the time. Uh, they don't have sufficient food, so they're hungry all the time. It's because they never had anything good. But what what what's need about about goodness? See how it works is when you dedicate the goodness to them. Uh, they can they can come up and they can be they can these two go together. The next one is. Uh, rejoicing in other people's goodness. So when they rejoice in your goodness, they can. it's like they did the goodness as well. They did the good deed as well. Uh, the way this works is because goodness uh, has to come from the mind. When you give something to someone, if your mind's not in it, it can't be considered goodness in Buddhism. It has no good effect on your, on, on your life uh, or on, on your mind it doesn 't make you a better person, yeah. it often doesn't bring about good results if it's not from the heart, you know, people can tell when you give things and you 're just giving out of out of courtesy or giving out of duty or so on. when you give from the heart it's completely different. so you actually don't have to give anything to to bring about goodness, and this is where this is the key so. This is how they, they work it with ghosts. When you have ghosts around, you just do good deeds and dedicate it to them and make sure they're, they're around and they know that you're dedicating it to them. And when they, when they see that, they feel so happy. And, I mean, if they do, and if they hold up their hands and say, uh, well done, well done, sadhu, sadhu, the idea is that they're going to, they get goodness out of that. And they're able to lift themselves out of this, this needy state of mind. They're able to let go and be, be at peace with themselves. But it works for really anyone, uh, in dedicating merit to... What we're talking about here is bringing about goodness in our, li- in our lives, not bringing goodness specifically to other beings. It's goodness to dedicate things to other, other people, because it makes us feel good. It's respect for that person. It's gratitude when we dedicate things to our parents. You know, you, you know when we dedicate books to other people. Yeah, there's always in the front of the book, to my mother, to my father, to this person, to my teacher, to this person, that person. Dedicating good deeds when you do something and then dedicating it to the memory of someone. I always give this talk at funerals. I've given talks at a couple of funerals and I always say that <coughs> one of the most important things that we should do at a funeral when someone dies is do good deeds in their name. This is how we cope with the death of a person is we we want to do something, Well, what do we don't just sit around and cry. We, we do things, whatever they did, whatever good things they did, we continue those good things. We do things in their name. It's a way of making us feel good. It's a way of bringing about goodness into our lives. It's a way of respecting other people. It's another important part of, of society. And uh, you know, If we look at all of these things in, in one way, we can look at them as being very important for a harmonious society. These are ways of bringing about a good uh, uh, harmonious way of living together mm-hmm. so uh, this this dedication to our our teachers and our our parents and doing things in their name for them and so on whenever we do good deeds, not just doing it for ourselves this is one type of another type of goodness, and the next one that I mentioned already is um, Rejoicing in other people's goodness, and this is of course very important and it 's this unique thing about Buddhism is that the the karma is not the most important the action is not the most important. everyone says Buddhism teaches karma, and it 's actually not really true i 've given this talk before um, karma, the action is the least important part the most important part is what your intention is what do you mean by it what do you what is, what is what is going on in your mind when you do the action. So, In Buddhism you can step on an ant, and if you didn't know it was there and if you weren't intending to step on it, you haven't done anything, anything wrong. Mm. This is incidentally why Buddhists can get away with eating meat. Get away with it because there's nothing going on in your mind. You don't have this intention to kill. You know, the chewing is not an evil deed. Putting something in your mouth is not an evil deed. It, 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 there has to be a cause. What's the cause? If your mind is not angry or, you know. In fact, there's a funny sort of take on this, and there's a, a vegetarian who says, It's not that I love it, a- I'm not a vegetarian because I love animals, I just hate vegetables. <laughs> and I mean, sitting there killing vegetables, right? <laughs> Chewing on them. You know. And this is sort of how, how we have to look at it from a Buddhist point of view, is that uh, it's what's going on in the mind. You can be a very bitter and terrible vegetarian. Hitler, Adolf, Hitler was, Adolf Hitler was apparently a, a vegetarian. It, it's really meaningless. Uh, I mean, on one level it's meaningless. On another level, I, I say we get away with it because often we go a little too far with it where we want meat. And you see a lot of a lot of uh, Buddhist sālīs in our tradition really going heavy on the meat, thinking that somehow you know it's it's perfectly all right to to uh, buy all this meat and eat it, and it's really not. The Buddha was actually very critical of, of any sort of attachment to eating meat. He gave a, it. I think it was brilliant of him to say that eating meat is not wrong. I think it was something that's befuddled people up until this day. People still don't understand how the Buddha could have said that. But he made it very clear, and this is the part of his brilliance, that uh, meat isn't, isn't like other food. And it doesn't come from a uh, non- non-sentient life form. It comes from a sentient life form. It's something that should be treated with utmost care he said any monk you know he only laid down rules like this for the monks you know pe- ordinary people can do whatever they want it's not really uh, a big deal but he said any monk who eats meat uh, who expresses desire for meat or eats meat you know, w- wishing for meat commits a, an offense any monk who doesn't consider carefully before they eat meat com- commits an offense doesn't con- contemplate what this is that they're eating the point here is to to make it clear in our mind we're not we're not we're not blind we know this there was a murder here and and uh, this is the, the the dead corpse of the murdered animal but at the same time we're not going to be we're not going to be uh, confused and let ourselves get caught up in ideas of social justice or so on and you know how to stop all this killing and how to I say that with a kind of a, a mocking tone of voice. I don't mean to be so exactly mocking, but from a Buddhist point of view, you can't stop the killing. People kill in a cycle. You, know. you don't have to worry about the chickens being killed. You, know. you have to worry about the guys killing the chickens because they're going to be the chickens being killed. It's like, which came first, the killer or the chicken? <laughs> they, they, they go in a cycle like the chicken and the egg there's no need to worry or feel sad or anything. There's, there's a reason to feel really, you know, scared and like, man, or, or, or happy that you're not caught up in that cycle. Look at it like, wow, these people are really caught up. But it's, it's equally important to say to yourself, if I get meat, I eat meat. If I don't get meat, I don't eat meat. And And, and this is the problem that we have. We often have people who need meat and Buddhists who 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 need meat and Mahasi Sayada was always very critical about this he said yes yes they can get away with it get away with eating meat he didn't eat meat actually he said they can get away with eating meat I can see how they can they can get away with it but you know it really says something that you know these monks who you know need need chicken soup they won't eat any meal without chicken in it or something like that he was going on about this so-called teachers who, who had to have meat in their food and he said well, you know what's going on in their minds at that time um, anyway I, this is uh, I suppose getting a little bit off track but I was talking about um, when we uh, the, the importance of the mind here So in things like eating meat, uh, this is just an example of the importance of the mind, specifically in, in, in doing good deeds. It's not important that we give. One person can give, and if everyone else stands around and says, good, good for you. What a good thing you've done, and wow, I really admire you, and I think that's a great thing. Well, what are we doing at that moment? We're reaffirming the goodness of giving. Sometimes we see other people give and we feel like, oh, that's right, look at this person, how great they are, and here I am not giving anything, here I am, uh, I've never really given anything, I've been stingy all my life, or so on. It somehow helps us as well, just seeing other people. It's the opposite of when someone gives good and we say, Whoa, look at that silly person, you know, negating the value of doing good deeds. This, of course, is badness, it creates stinginess in our mind, Shrinks the mind. You can feel the difference when you watch someone do good, and you admire them, and you feel good for them. You know, how it makes you feel happy and peaceful inside. And the opposite when 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 they do good deeds, and you feel you know kind of jealous of them or or so. It feels bad. <coughs> so this is important. When we see other people doing good, what should we do? We shouldn't feel guilty that we're not giving. We should. Feel happy for them, good for them. Look at them do the, that. Wow, that's amazing that they can actually you know, sacrifice this, or that they can come and meditate, that, they can, uh, that they're able to be so pure, and so on. This is very important. We should never feel jealous or judge, judge ourselves against other people. We shouldn't say, Oh, I feel, look at that person, how great they are, and, and here I am, a nothing. We shouldn't think like that. We should feel very proud of that person, that such people exist in this world. As if they were our son or our daughter, we should feel proud of them and think, wow, it's great to see such good people. Then we don't have to worry about they're better than us, they're worse than us. We should think, wow, good for them. Look at them go. This is uh, an important part of goodness. The next one is... Um, teach, uh, listening to the Dhamma. Listening to the Dhamma is a big part of goodness. Dhamma just means uh, truth. Of course, listening to lies is, is not a very good thing. Of course, this is a problem nowadays. There's so much out there that could be considered partially Dhamma or partially truth. It's very difficult to know what is truth. So here we go by just the Buddha's teaching. We're, we're very... Specific as most religions are. We're not really interested so much in other people's teaching, though we sometimes pull it in. And it's very easy to pull in. It's not exclusive, no. Truth is singular, so you can pull in teachings of, of uh, any other religion. You could take Jesus' teachings, you could take uh, Gandhi's teachings, you could take many, many of the teachings of the world. You could quote this person, quote that person. Even Einstein, there's... There's always good quotes you can use, but in the end, we're focusing specifically on the Buddha's teaching because we trust him. We say, "Yeah, this guy uh, taught only the truth," and this is our understanding as as Buddhists. So it's safer. It's, uh, from our point of view, it's safe because we, you know, other people we say, "Well, you know, you know, it was a nice person, but you know." He's also a politician, or he's a nice person, but it's not really clear what exactly he taught, or this or that. But with the Buddha, it's it's actually pretty clear. 45 years, we've got a lot of teachings, a whole bookshelf of them. And if you read through them, you really get a sense that this guy really knew what he was talking about. There's not much in there that's superfluous, that's useless, or that's off track. There's no sign that he was... uh, in any way uh, confused, But he always understood people, and that the teachings he gave they really they really work and this is one of the amazing things of of the Buddha's teachings. when you put it into practice, you just see results i mean it's it just works there's no there 's no ends ifs or but about it. The only problem is if you don 't do it As any anyone who comes to practice and you know just takes the chance to practice. We were just talking about this. It's it's hard to find people who don't benefit from it. Unless their minds are all confused you can see certain people that just aren't able to receive anything. But there's nothing of practicing, practicing and I don't see anything. Nothing's happening. No benefit whatsoever. We don't get this. So this is why we take the Buddha's teaching, and what we mean here is listening to the Buddha's teaching, or listening to the truth. It doesn't have to be the Buddha teaching, but it just has to be someone talking about reality. And this is a very important part of good, of a very important type of goodness as well, um, because it's what allows us to practice. It's what allows us to do good. It's what encourages us to do good. For instance, in meditation. I used to practice meditation when I was very young. It's kind of like a, you know, who knows where I'm coming from in a past life, but it wasn't it wasn't the meditation we do here it was just something that came off the top of my head and all sorts of strange things happened i've told, I've talked to some people about this it's really interesting how kids can just pick these things up and just focus you know, there stories of kids floating above their beds and so on it's lots of kids have these things but but if you'd asked me you know how to practice this kind of the kind of meditation that we do here where we're really looking at the problems in our life and anal- and coming to understand them and coming to see clearly about them now, i'd have no clue and i would have never been able to 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 teach this or or to even to practice it myself and i think that bears out you know, the course that my life took before i re- before i was Taught before I listened to the the, the Buddha's teaching, because the, you know obviously these meditations that we practice they don't stop us from doing bad deeds they don't have any connection with our with our everyday life, and so we can still get angry we can still want for this or want for that. So it's a very important listening to the Buddha's te- listening to the truth is a very important. It's a very important thing to do. If we neglect this, it's very easy for us to to sort of lose our grasp on the on the spiritual life. This is why we we always come to practice. The people who are here, it's clear, even though we only have a few people, these are people who who understand this and see the need for you know getting more more of, of an understanding of, of goodness. And, uh, it doesn't even matter who's teaching, really. As long as we're listening to something uh, and it's in line with the Buddha's teaching. That's why I always like to just, you know, not just go on and on about my own teachings or what I think, and so on. I, I follow after this tradition, you know, we, we just list things, you know. It's all Buddha's teaching, you take it or leave it. Then, then you're, not, you're not learning from me, you're learning from the Buddha. We try to explain things, but explain things very, uh, very cut and dry. This is it. So that all you can, all you take from here is information. You don't take my emotions and my problems and my. Uh, you don't take me with you. You just take the Buddha's teaching. This, uh, because this is what we're here for. This is it, it, it. This is what it means. It doesn't matter who's teaching. It's just what you get from the from the teaching. And so the, it's important because it allows us to then take it away in practice. This is number and uh, number eight, no? Number eight is listening to the dhamma. Number nine is teaching the dhamma. And this is this is I've mentioned this already. This is also very. Uh, I think very important. I think it's often something we miss, we neglect, and we don't see enough teachers. And the, earlier on my, in my talk, I was talking about how you know it's wrong to think yourself as a teacher. But there's a difference between thinking yourself a teacher and actually teaching people. Because you can teach people without being a teacher. right? And some teachers, they have nothing to teach. <coughs> what I mean is some people set themselves up as a teacher and say, I'm a teacher, and try to get lots of students, and try to be rich and famous, and so on. But they themselves have have nothing inside. With all of us, we have something inside. Anyone who comes to practice, you can know for yourself that you've gained something from the practice. You don't have to say to yourself, oh, I still have more practice to do, I shouldn't teach. This isn't right. Whatever you've gained from the practice, you can share with other people. And this is the truth. It it, it, it doesn't... Uh, anyone who's finished, say, finished a foundation course or so on, it's very easy for them to then go out and just show people how to do the mindful prostration, do the walking, do the sitting, without any any hesitation. And this is something we should be doing, something we might overlook sometimes. We should be doing it with anybody who asks. If someone asks... I remember in the beginning people asking me about the practice and I didn't dare to show them. I I was thinking about, you know, you should come to Thailand with me or so on. Until finally uh, it it hit me that, you know, it's really... You can just give it to them. I mean, what's, what's better? You give them, you know, you give them nothing because they have no time to follow you to Thailand, follow you away to do the course or... Or you give them something and, and maybe it's you know, not perfect. Better to give them something. If you've gone through the the course, uh, there's no question in my mind that you you understand uh, at least the basics of how to practice. And as long as you don't go too far with the people, it's very, uh, very easy to give them something wonderful. I remember when I finally did start showing people how to practice, uh, there were two people who I ended up showing all the way through the whole course, even though I didn't really know how to teach at all. But I just gave them the technique, take it or leave it, and they took it, and it was just amazing the, the benefits they gained from it. it. It basically changed their life. Two people that I can remember. And to this day they're still very strong meditators. I'm sure that, that they haven't thrown it away, it can be sure. One of them, I know he goes to Thailand every year. The other one, I haven't kept in touch with lately. But uh, it's Anyway, the, the the point is, you, you'd be surprised the benefit you can give to people just by giving them the basics of, of how to meditate. You know, like teachings on, on the internet, videos on how to meditate that go up on the internet, how beneficial they are to people. You don't think like you're going to be famous or something. You just think, wow, this is this is amazing, the goodness that comes from it. And this is the goodness that comes from teaching the Dhamma. It's very important. This is number nine. Number ten is uh, setting your view straight. This is a very sp- specific type of, uh, of goodness, but it sort of puts a cap on everything. And that... Uh, the The qualifier for being a noble person is having right view. This is the first thing that, that we we gain when we become, uh, as we practice, when we're looking for nobility. When a person becomes noble, it's the attainment of perfect view. And of course I gave a, a talk on on wrong view the other, last week, I believe. So I'm not going to go into much detail about that, but here we call it straightening one's view. The meaning here is that our understanding of things is all bent out of shape, and this this is the most important aspect of the Buddha's teaching. So we give it the the premier spot. And it, but it basically talks about med- it. Basically, refers to meditation. So we're going back to the one of the earlier ones. But here specifically, the meaning is that the way we look at things. Now, I always talk about when we hear something, when someone's yelling at us, for instance, you know, ask yourself, why does it make us angry? When you hear a loud noise, why does it irritate us? It's really ridiculous that these things should have any power over us. You know, think about it, why is this noise different from that noise? <coughs> why should it be that this one makes me happy and this one makes me unhappy? When, when they're just equally sound touching our ear. And we can come up with all sorts of answers and of course there are very good answers. It's clear that they, that, that they are different and they do have different impacts on us. But it's also clear that they don't have to. And so we, we for instance, we don't want to suffer. We don't want to be bothered by all of these things that bother us. So then the question is why do they still bother us? We don't want to get angry, well why do we still get angry? We don't want to be addicted, well then why are we still addicted? We don't want to be conceited, we don't want to be uh, opinionated, and so jealous, stingy, we don't want any of these things. We don't want to be these things. Why are we still these things? This is what is meant by being bent out of shape. Our mind is not, it's like it's short-circuiting. It's not wired properly. But here we're talking, we just, we put it simply, it's bent. And so what we're doing is we're straightening the mind. And how we do this, this is the noting that we use. This is why I love, I love talking about straightening the mind, because of, because of how, how it clearly, it explains what we're doing when we say to ourselves, rising, when we say to ourselves, falling, when we say to ourselves, pain, we're straightening the mind. Right? Because when we hear something, for instance, Right away, we like it. We don't like it. It's so many different things to us. Our mind is all bent out of shape by what we hear. When we say to ourselves, "Hearing," our mind is straight. Our mind is straight in line with the object, <coughs> with the ultimate reality. When we have pain, normally we're angry, upset, worried, scared, afraid. We're going to. We're going to get sick. We're going to. Uh, we're going to die and so on, all of these things, we're very upset by it, but when we say to ourselves, so our mind is bent in a shape, when we say pain, 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 just rem- reminding ourselves that it's pain, we're straightening our mind, our mind is clear that this is only pain, but what else is it? It's, it's nothing but pain, so then, uh, you know, how, how is it difficult to understand and when you say to yourself, pain, 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 your, your mind is straight. You're straightening your mind, straightening your view, straightening your understanding of reality. And this is really all we're doing in meditation. We're coming to see things clearly. When you see things clearly, there's nothing in the world that you want to hold on to. There's nothing. There's no one experience, no one uh, phenomenon that arises that you want to hold on to, that you want to make... Uh, make anything more of than it is. You come to see things, every single thing, simply for what it is. Not getting upset, not getting frustrated, not getting worried, not getting scared, not getting bored, not getting attached, uh, not getting jealous, not getting stingy, not getting opinionated, all these bad things. None of them arise Because you simply see things for what they are. I mean... Really, it sounds so simple, and it sounds so real, so right. So so the only problem here, it's not reality, it's not even our understanding of it. Or it's not our intellectual understanding, it's that our mind is bent out of shape. And so all we have to do is put our mind straight again. Keep hitting it, just as you hit metal when it's hot, until it gets straight. When your mind gets straight, uh, that's, that's enlightenment, that's it. It's not so simple. It's not like you just practice for a day and okay now I'm enlightened. Don't get that idea. It's actually it's a it's a real kind of epiphany sort of thing. In- enlightenment is not just uh, okay now I'm now I'm understanding things clearly. Now I must be enlightened. That's not what it means. But it really works. As you go deeper and deeper, you realize how much there is that's bent out of shape until finally the mind lets go. And th- this is you know, sort of briefly talking about enlightenment, it's actually, um, it's very clear, and there's no a person who becomes enlightened, they don't, they don't wonder or doubt if they're enlightened. It's, uh, all of us here, we're, we're, we're practicing. You know. But as we, as we get further on in the path, it's easy for a person to see, it. oh, their level of enlightenment, because of the things they've let go. Anyway, enlightenment is perhaps something I should talk about in the, its own talk, it's not something we talk so much about. Here we're just going to talk about the, the path. We talk about enlightenment as sort of understand it in a basic sense. Because if you think too much about it, you start to uh, analyze and judge. But here we're just talking about what it means to practice and why it's important. And as you practice, your mind becomes straight. But believe me, there's a lot bent out of shape in, in, in the vast majority of us. So we shouldn't think that Okay, so just say pain, pain, and suddenly poof, <laughs> and now you're enlightened. That's not what it means. It's actually quite a, quite a journey. Uh, but that's not something you have to take on, on faith. You can see for yourself what a journey it is as you practice. It's actually quite, uh, quite a journey. And so that's all I have to talk about tonight. That's about an hour, so I'll give it up there and let everyone get back to their lives. And hopefully you can take this and start to do more good, more good things in your life. The Lord Buddha said, happiness is the accumulation of goodness. So this is the, the talk for tonight and I wish for all of you to uh, be able to bring goodness into your life so that you're able to find true peace, happiness and freedom from suffering. Thank you for coming and have a good night.